and welcome to Inside the Cowboys. I am your host, John Williams, and I am here with a couple guests joining me for a very special 2020 regular season preview for your Dallas Cowboys. Joining me today, we've got Mo Rodriguez. You know him as at Mo NFL on Twitter, and also Dave Sturgio. You know him as at Dave Sturgio with a CH. Uh, when you're looking for that Twitter handle, make sure you guys go and find them. Hey, Mo, why don't you tell the people real quick where they can find your work? Hey, John. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. And you can find me on Inside the Star. That's where I write. I write with, with my good friend, John. And you can find me also in a, I do a Spanish show for fans from Mexico and other parts of the world who speak Spanish on my Facebook page, Primero Cowboys. And you can also catch me on Blogging the Voice Podcast Network in also in a show in Spanish. Yeah, well, thanks for joining, man. It's been a long time. I'm glad to get you finally on the show. And Dave, why don't you tell the people how you're doing tonight and where they can find your work? Yeah, man. Well, uh, thank you, obviously, for having me. This is pretty cool that we got to get together right before the season starts, which is nice. We're all pumped up for it. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Dave Sturcio. I currently write uh, with the Cowboys Wire with Katie Drummond. And uh, right now I'm also the host, one of three hosts of Jersey Boys Podcast, which is um, – it's a podcast about obviously about the Cowboys, three guys growing up in New Jersey. So obviously enemy territory and it's not, not the funnest uh, area of the world because of that. Uh, but yeah, I do that. And uh, I just started writing for the NFL analysis network as well, doing a little bit of, uh, you know, blogging over there and uh, some editorial work, but yeah, just kind of full steam ahead as the Cowboys are about to start. Yeah, man. Well, it's great to have you both on the show. We're looking forward to the 2020 season started. And first just, I don't know about you guys, but just ecstatic that actually football is happening. I sat and watched Army play uh, Middle <laughs> Tennessee State on Saturday just because I was <laughs> so excited for football to happen. Uh, so first of all, I mean, we just got through training camp. And so that is really the hot topic right now. And so give me a player that really stood out. I mean, obviously, we didn't get as much information out of training camp as we normally get. But based on practice reports from the media, Mo, who's a player that really stood out to you uh, well, through training camp? I was surprised with one name, and it's veteran cornerback Daryl Worley. Daryl Worley came through free agency for the Dallas Cowboys, and I didn't expect him to have such a good training camp, according to the reports around the Dallas Cowboys. And it's a great thing. I believe that he had such a, a good training camp because cornerback is a position I would think we all are worried about. So having a player, a veteran like Daryl Worley, uh, standing out at that position, that was really exciting for me. And with Chidobia Wuzier injured, well, dealing with an injury, Jordan Lewis about to go to IR. He didn't, but we, we thought he would. I, I think it's just great that Daryl Worley yeah, is standing out in training camp. Yeah, that was a particularly underrated signing, I felt like, because he offers a little bit of versatility as both a cornerback and safety for the Raiders. He played it in the box a little bit. Dave, give us your impressions kind of on Daryl Worley, just the signing, how he's been through training camp, kind of your thoughts there. I've always been a big fan of, of these like very good bargain signings. You know, when you can find somebody like that at this time, uh, you know, when when obviously the Cowboys are against it with the salary cap and you're wondering as Cowboy fans out there are wondering like, why can't you get this guy or why can't you get that guy? And it's not always the sexy pick, but uh, Worley was one of those guys, you know, along with like a Don Terry Poe and, and like guys like that, they're that are coming on with decent contracts, nothing crazy, nothing's going to break the bank. It's not going to set anybody back. Um, so, yeah, Worley is in, in 
a dire need right now. And then, you know, you bring on Brandon Carr, obviously starting off on the practice squad, but you have to make the assumption that within, you know, a week or two uh, at the most that he would be brought on to the 53 man. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think cornerback is one of those things that they're, they're definitely struggling uh, with right now. Um, after I, you know, on my own podcast, I said that I'm excited more about the secondary this year than I was last year. And that, that was with Byron Jones. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I, I'm excited about him still. Once everybody gets healthy and good to go, you know, we're good to go. But as far as anybody like standing out to me in, in training camp, I know it's going to sound real, relatively like a layup or an obvious choice. But the fact that people are talking up CD Lamb as, as one of the most, you know, electric guys coming in to a training camp. I mean, they said some of the guys are saying that he, he was better than anybody they've seen as far as a, you know, a rookie wide receiver. And I was always a big Des Bryant guy. So I'm like, if this guy's coming in here and he's wowing everybody, uh, that's, that's something to be said. So I'm excited about the three man, um, you know, the th- having basically three number one receivers. I'm an offensive minded guy myself. And I just, I feel like if you can outscore guys all year long, it may be, you know, the defensive line pressure and those kind of those additions that'll help us out a little bit with the bank up secondary. Yeah, I completely agree with you, man. And you're kind of speaking my language there because I was trembling uh, during the draft when it got to 17 and CD lamb was still on the clock as an Oklahoma fan and someone who's watched him since he was a true freshman. I never pictured that he would get to the Dallas Cowboys at 17 and to hear that he's already blowing up camp is just music to my ears. And, you know, I was going to try and be a little bit cautious about how I uh, talked about him because rookie wide receivers often have a difficult time transitioning into the NFL, but forget that it's CD lamb hype train is full <laughs> speed ahead. We're running a race yeah. with this thing. I'm with uh, it. Mo, tell me kind of what, what have you been, have, what have been your impressions of CD lamb and really the wide receiver group in general? Well, I actually just tweeted out earlier tonight that if it wasn't for the City Lamb selection, we wouldn't be as hyped about this 2020 Dallas Cowboys team because the other pick would have been Caleb and Chase and out of LSU. And although I believe he'll be a good player in the NFL, he wouldn't have made an, as big of an impact as Lamb will at the wide receiver position, mm-hmm. especially when you consider the Cowboys signed Everson Griffin, Alden Smith, Randy Gregory is bound to come back uh, week seven for the Dallas Cowboys. Just Jason, where where would him he he fit? You know what I'm saying. So, right. CD Lamp, in the other on the other on the other hand, he comes at a wide receiver position that has Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper. But you didn't have a wide receiver tree behind those two guys, and we were actually kind of underrating that need, I believe, by April. So the fact that the Cowboys got CD Lamp is just something amazing. And hearing this stuff about the wide receiver from training camp. Also unbelievable. I, I I thought the same thing as you did, John, that, you know, rookie wide receivers have a tough time. But this guy sounds like he's ready to go. And he is going to play on a unit that will allow him to do so. Yeah, it's, it's really exciting. And I, I think just as you all mentioned, his ability to come in as really the, the wide receiver 1C, if we want to call it that, um, just allows him to, to have more space. Now, it's not going to take very long before, you know, opposing defenses start trying to account for him because he's, you know, every time he touches the ball at any point in the field, he's got that ability to make a big play happen, whether he catches it behind the line of scrimmage or 20 yards downfield. He's, he's got that kind of ability. Well, it just and, means Zeke's going to eat. That's all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the underrated aspect of bringing in a CD lamb and playing him in the slot is you got a guy that's a willing blocker. 
that so when you're running 11 personnel you're not sacrificing anything in the run game as far as blocking personnel uh he's a guy that's going to you know be able to eat up eat up people on the outside or in the slot uh, as a blocker for me i think the the person i've been most excited about hearing uh that things are going well for him is Tristan Hill. And, mm-hmm. and I'll be honest, I was a guy that was, was down on him. I was disappointed in the pick because I was hoping for a Juan Thornhill last year. Um, and I wasn't so sure that he was going to make the 53-man roster. I kind of talked myself into it uh, before training camp started because I just felt like Will McClay, Stephen Jones weren't going to be ready to kind of pack it in on him just yet uh, and not willing to admit that maybe that didn't work out. And I was not as patient as I should have been early on, but you know, once Gerald McCoy down, went down with the injury, it seems like he's really stepped into the role and been more than willing to, to take on the challenge. And Stephen Jones talked about it today that he's earned the starting spot at the three technique. And I think that really is an exciting thing to hear because, you know, yes, he was the next man up, but you want that next man up to earn that. And with, you know, a player like Tyrone Crawford, you know, the size that Alvin Smith is bringing to the table this year, uh, Neville Gallimore, we've got players that could have played and filled in at some three technique, uh, could have even even worn the job, but Tristan Hill actually stepped into it and won it with his play in training camp. And so I think that's really exciting because if you can get an active and productive Tristan Hill on your interior, then you're going to have a really, really nice defensive front where you can actually get some interior pressure and hopefully consistent interior pressure with him. And as we look at the 53-man roster, now that the regular season has started, we're officially in week one, what was one player that was kind of a surprise or maybe a few players that surprised you or a position group that surprised you? Um, Dave, we'll start with you on that one. What what kind of what surprised you about the 53-man roster this year? Um, early on, you know, as things started to leak on Saturday during cut day, you're, you're wondering, like, how many tight ends are these guys going to hold on to? And it just seemed like it was just a little too deep at this moment. Um, where I, I feel like they could have used it in different areas, especially in the secondary, especially, in, you know, the linebacker and core being beat up and Sean Lee going to the IR. I was kind of surprised to see them keep uh, as many tight ends as they did. Plus, but what I'm hearing is now is that I'm hearing um, that Dalton Schultz is going to move and shift in position almost, like mm-hmm. almost like a uh, like a Chris Cooley type, you know, where he can, he can go out for some passes and also lead block for Zeke. So that kind of stood out to me as as, you know, as, as we get closer to this game one, you know, you, you're going to need depth. And there was a time, and you guys know this as, as, as writers and Cowboy fans, like there was a time that when Sean Lee went out of the game, there was no chance the Cowboys win. You know what I mean? Right. So now, obviously, that was before Jalen and before Layton. And it's great that they have them. But, like, I'm, I'm wondering, like, you know, nobody knows what to expect out of Layton right now. And obviously things are looking good. But, you know, it's a neck injury. You don't want to mess around with that. You don't want to, like, take too many chances. You also don't want to, like, feed him in there too early and too often. So I'm curious to know, you know, where they go with the linebackers. And, again, there could be some wheeling and dealing. I know, obviously, the, the practice squad's a little deeper this year uh, because of everything going on. So, so maybe that's something they address even before game day. Yeah, I think the linebacking situation is a little bit interesting you know, I was actually surprised that Francis Bernard didn't make the 53-man roster out of camp. I was happy to see him make it to the practice squad because uh, he did have a really solid uh, training camp. However, I almost wonder if this leads them to to play in more three-man fronts and more ba- if they're in base, they're playing more three-four. And mm-hmm. we know that that the real tr- you know the the real base now is more nickel because teams are playing out of 11 personnel up to 70% of the time on average. 
And so in, in nickel, you're usually only using 10 line or two linebackers anyway. And if you're playing in a base three, four, you're using only two traditional linebackers anyway. And so it makes me just kind of wonder, you know, how much four man fronts are we going to see? How many three linebacker sets are we going to see? Because they did go really light at linebacker. I I agree with you on that one, Dave. Mo, kind of tell me, what what do you think about that with the the kind of positional um, uh, structuring that the the 53-man roster has with just five linebackers to start the season? Well, it was interesting, and you mentioned Francis Bernard, and when you asked the first question of the show on what players from training camp surprised you, I think Francis Bernard would have been an answer if he wasn't cut from the team. But then you got Justin March back, you got Joe Thomas back. This structure in the part of the roster, I believe it's all about special teams, as well as Sean McKeon, who made the roster, the Mm -hmm. undrafted rookie tight end. So I think it's all about special teams. Sometimes a lot of people, a lot of fans – we do not realize that a lot of players make the roster just because of their contribution to special teams. Right. Unfortunately, the Cowboys have John Fassel, special teams coordinator. He will be with the Cowboys for the first year. He spent a lot of time in, well, I was going to say Los Angeles, but also San Luis, the, the Rams. And, right. and I am hoping for a big step forward in this department of football for the Dallas Cowboys because in the Jason Garrett era, we just had a bad special teams unit. So I believe the linebackers position, we owe that to special teams more than anything. Joe Thomas, Justin March, we're going to see both of them play a lot of special teams football. And what stuck out what stood out to you, Mo, about the construction of the 53-man roster as we start week one? What surprised me? Yeah. Well, uh, well, you already mentioned the tight ends. That was something for me. Uh, I was surprised by Rico Dowdle, the, the running back. Mm. I know we heard a lot about him late in training camp, but something about the secrecy, man, on, on uh, about how the Cowboys, you know, no videos, no tweets during practice. It was weird, and I didn't have uh, the idea that Rico Dowdle was going to make the team. I thought he was just like having a good camp for, for an undrafted rookie. So I was surprised about that. Mainly, I was surprised by the players that were going to go to injury reserve. You know, Sean Lee, I didn't expect him to go to injury reserve. I know it's different because of the three-week rule now in 2020. But more than anything, Lyle Collins. I I think we all thought Lyle Collins would be on, on the lineup for week one. And out of nowhere, they told us he wasn't that he was headed to injury reserve. And yes, maybe he's there only for three weeks, but you know what? Maybe not. Maybe he's in there for a longer period of time. Yeah, and they're saying that it's it's a conditioning thing right now that, that he's working through, but we also know that he was dealing with some stuff and lower body well, injuries, things like that. Sorry to cut you off, McCarthy said tonight on his press conference it was 100% injury related. Oh, okay. So- I think they're trying to rule out this whole conditioning thing that everybody keeps talking about. And that's what I was more concerned about too, is training camp grew long. I said, how, how does this guy not get into football shape? Like the rest of us, you know what I mean? Like, like the rest of the team. Uh, but yeah, he, he alluded to the injury. So I'm, I'm that Mo's got a point. Look, it might say three weeks, but we might be in trouble if we don't address that now. Well, you see, we saw how quickly last year, three weeks can turn a season, you know, right. three, they start out three, and know, oh. Then they went oh, yeah. three and three and three after six games. You're like, okay, this is a completely different season. And you know, they're not, they're not playing any slouches to start the season. They, they've got a, you know, a fairly challenging slate to get going, uh, especially in week one. I mean, we know about the Los Angeles Rams and at least their front seven, they've got some players um, 
and Lyle Collins will be missed. I mean, I, you know, I, I think signing Cam Irving was a, a good signing uh, to have as your swing tackle, a guy who could also play a little bit interior offensive line for you. Uh, Brandon Knight, we saw a little bit of last year, and he didn't necessarily blow the roof off, but he wasn't terrible either. Uh, we've definitely seen worse uh, backup tackle play from the Dallas Cowboys, but you know, I, I think they can make it work, and hopefully they're actually game planning to protect the right side of the offensive line a little bit with Lael Collins out. And so that kind of brings me to the next question, and that's, you know, who are a couple players that you're really looking forward to watching as we start the 2020 season? And uh, Mo, we'll go with you on this one. Well, maybe a weird answer because, I mean, I could say a lot of players that a lot of people are thinking about, but Jalen Smith, the fact that Jalen Smith is moving over to the wheel position, a linebacker, intrigues me a lot. We saw him play mainly as a middle linebacker. Now Leighton Vanderich is taking over the mic position. And I believe the Cowboys will get creative with Jalen Smith. You talked about three-man fronts a little earlier. And I believe Jalen Smith will be a huge part of that. We saw him at Notre Dame when he played college football. He rushed the passer a lot. And there was a point during his Dallas Cowboys career that they started to use him more to rush the passer, but it wasn't like they were committed to it. And I believe maybe we get to see that on 2020. So Jalen Smith is a player I'm dying to see get on the field, as well as Leighton Banderich, of course, who I believe, well, well, he seems to be healthy. So I expect him to bounce back from a weird 2019 season because I wouldn't even call it like a mediocre season. I would just call it weird for, for Leighton Banderich. So the two starting linebackers, I'm dying to, to see them play football. Yeah, and I'm, I'm actually looking forward to seeing Jalen Smith with Mike Nolan as well because, you know, you look to the New Orleans Saints, and now Mike Nolan wasn't the defensive coordinator of that team, uh, but you look at a guy like Demario Davis uh, who played middle linebacker for him. He had four sacks on the season. Uh, per pro football focus, he had uh, 69 – no, sorry – he had 28 total pressures on the season. You know, another guy that, you know, I don't even know who, you know, A.J. Klein, another linebacker for the New Orleans Saints last year, had 13 pressures, three sacks. And so, you know, if if we're going to get as much pressure out of the Dallas Cowboys defense as we anticipate, I think we're going to see a lot of Jalen Smith sacks. I, you know, I've kind of looked at five sacks as being the goal for him um, in the season, and that's really – what he does well when you can get him going downhill and moving forward he's explosive and he's he's uh he's really devastating as a linebacker um and so dave kind of who's who's a player that you're looking forward to watching this season um to be honest with you i i was looking forward to his play last year but he didn't get enough opportunities and that's blake jarwin mm-hmm. um i i think that the you know with Jason Witten, obviously, being no disrespect to him, he's the the goat. He's the he's one of my favorites of all time. Um, but you know, obviously, his time was served and kind of ran out, and he obviously got older. And father time is undefeated. So now Blake Jarwin gets a chance to eat a little bit, and I think that he's going to not only have more snaps and more opportunities, but you're going to find out that Blake Jarwin belongs in the conversation with your Zach Ertz's and your you know and your Travis Kelsey's, and you're going to find that out this year. I got a really really good feeling that he's a lot quicker than some people think I have a you know we've seen him obviously tear up the Giants time and time again like any other tight end has but I I think that this year you know obviously you have the big three receivers you got Zeke you got Pollard everybody's talking about these guys and not a lot of people are still not focusing on Blake Jarwin and I think that 
you know, that, that, that's going to, that's going to play a role in his persona as well. You know, like nobody's talking about me. That's fine. I'm going to show you. And he's a very well-spoken dude. And it seems like he's kind of taken over the tight end room and, you know, all of a sudden he's a, he's a veteran, you know what I mean? Like before, you know, you blink your eyes and he's the, he's the leader of the tight end room. And, uh, you know, with some rookies and, and, and younger guys behind him. Um, and even, like I said, he could be a mentor to a, a lot of guys on that offense because uh, again, well-spoken guy. And uh, I think he's going to, he's going to find himself with a lot of slower linebackers trying to cover him and, and, you know, with some safety help. And, and I, I think he finds the end zone like a lot of times I mean to say it as, as blunt as that he's gonna he's gonna eat a lot this year yeah Blake Jarwin's gonna be kind of the forgotten man uh at least for a moment uh with the the wide receivers that they've got and the running game that the Dallas Cowboys have right. you know people aren't gonna really be paying much attention to Blake Jarwin and I think we're gonna see him run free on on some big gains uh quite a bit just because you know he's got the athletic ability to get downfield and he can make things happen after the catch and you know there's going to be a lot of open open space for him because defenses are going to have to focus so much on these other guys and that's really no that's not to try and um, slight Blake Jarwin at all even if they didn't add C.D. Lamb I think Blake Jarwin was going to be an impactful player for the Dallas Cowboys and and even as he goes you know he'll open up opportunities for the rest of the wide receivers as well as you know he's able to make things happen down the seam um, and over the middle of the field I think for me you know, I, I don't really talk much about the defensive backs because we just got a lot of them and we don't really know how they're going to be played and who's going to play what and where and when. And But the guy that I'm really, really looking forward to seeing on a Sunday is Trevon Diggs. I mean, we've, we've heard a lot of good things about him out of, out of training camp. Um, the guy just seems to have this baller mentality where it's like, the ball's up, it's my ball. Like, my ball, right. my ball, my ball. Um, and I love that attitude. And, you know, it definitely helps that he gets to kind of practice against one of the better route running wide receivers in the NFL and Stefan Diggs, you know, in the off season. Um, but he's just got this guy that you know, you're looking forward to because it seemed like every time that we saw a video of him from training camp, he was making a play on the football, whether it was a pass deflection or an interception or something, but he's got this really innate ability to track the football. Uh, I think the one play that I really loved that we got to see was, uh, he was just running with Noah Brown down the field, down the sideline, and you know was using his body to figure out where Noah Brown was, but his eyes were back to the quarterback the entire time, running down the field. And that's one that's going to be a very welcome change from some of the technique that was taught previously. Um, and two, it's just that's a guy that's really looking to attack the football. And so I'm really excited to see what he adds to the Dallas Cowboys secondary moving forward. Uh, I think another guy that maybe isn't getting enough talk, and, and I've definitely been somebody who's been ready to cut him uh, from time to time, is Cedric Wilson. Uh, Mo, tell me kind of what do you expect to see out of Cedric Wilson now that he's going to be the number four wide receiver on the team? Well, when he was a six-round pick out of Boise State, I loved Cedric Wilson. And then I, uh, my expectations just got lower and lower, and I agree on what you said that I even thought about cutting him from my roster projection as well. But I think he's going to do a good job. I don't think he's going to be anything special, but he's going to be the guy that can come in and he can catch a football without any problem. I, I believe he has a, a very good uh, route running skills. I really do believe that. And I believe Cedric Wilson will be a strong wide receiver for, for our Dallas Cowboys. And this is the first training camp that we heard like a lot of positive things about him and you know he dealt with an injury during his rookie season so that was a huge 
blow for him. But now he seems to be back. He seems to be healthy. I believe he won't get a lot of, of snaps for the Dallas Cowboys offense, but I believe he will have a solid role. And when he comes in onto the field, I believe he'll do a good job. And then sticking with the offensive side of the football, another player that I think I'm really excited to see um, is Tony Pollard because you, know, you look back at Mike McCarthy in Green Bay and he had a guy like Ty Montgomery who he just used as a jack-of-all-trades player. As a, you know, he was a converted wide receiver, converted to running back, uh, but he was just catching passes, running the football. He, they just, he just used him a ton. Um, and I think Mike McCarthy could use Tony Pollard in that way. You know, Dave, tell me kind of what are your expectations for Tony Pollard entering his second season? Uh, I made a little bit of a bold uh, prediction on NFL Analysis Network. Um, and I said that Tony Pollard was going to find himself a thousand all-purpose yards this year. And I okay. know that sounds like a lot. But if you think about it, last year he had about, I, I think it was just over 400 uh, rushing. If I'm not, I could be wrong. I, I just wrote the damn thing. I, I can't remember what I wrote. Um, <laughs> but what I see out of him is now, you know, you talk about Cedric Wilson, you talk about Noah Brown, you talk about guys like that that can fill that role as a fourth receiver. I think Tony Pollard can line up in the slot and, you know, in a bunch formation. And there's just so much you can do with this kid. I think he's going to see a lot of the field. And I think you're going to see him on the field at the same time as Zeke. You know, it's it's going to be one of those things where we're going to be like, oh, my God, like, why weren't we doing this before? You know, like, mm -hmm. like, so I think it's going to be a very exciting season for Tony Pollard. It's going to fall under the radar. Um, but, yeah, I, like I said, it's a it's a bold fantasy type prediction. But between receiving yards and rushing yards, you know, spelling Zeke when you need to and then catching a ball out of the backfield or, you know, doing a nice little drag route over the middle. If no, nothing else is open, which is very hard to believe, considering you know who we have. But uh, I, I think Pollard has a feast this year. I really do. And, and it's going to improve this offensive value as a whole. And that's why I think, you know, Dak Prescott is going to look way above 5,000 yards uh, passing this year. Now, I like that kind of prediction as well, because I think they are going to definitely pass the ball a little bit more. We may not see it jump to some of the high rates that they're throwing the ball in Green Bay, but I do think they are going to throw it as much or a little bit more than worth they were throwing it uh, in the past. Um, so let's let's do a quick little rapid roundtable questions. I'm just going to answer or ask a few questions. You're going to give me a one-word answer or just a brief answer to these things. Um, so the first question is Earl Thomas or no Earl Thomas? And Mo, we'll start with you. Earl Thomas, 100%. Dave? Uh, yeah, it has to happen at this point. Yeah. Uh, do you think the Cowboys are going to be better or worse than their 2019 record of eight and eight? Way better. Dave? I think, I think they make a three game leap, uh, win, win 11 games this year. And who do you think was the best off season addition? Actually, I want to turn it a little bit. Who do you think will be the most impactful off season addition? Trevon Dix. Uh, obviously, I'm going to go stick with CD lamb. And then, yeah, and I'm going to cheat a little bit. Uh, and I'm going to say Mike McCarthy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a good one, John. Yeah, it's my show. I can do what I want. Um, <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott, will he be a top five rusher? Mo? No. Dave? Unfortunately, maybe he gets like a sixth. We'll see. Yeah. Um, more or more or less receptions for Amari Cooper than 2019. He had, hold on one second. I'll, I'll tell you how many receptions he had. This is terrible radio right now. <laughs> um, 
dead air is the best air. Don't worry about it. Yeah, this is <laughs> awesome. I'll just edit this out. <laughs> no, I won't. This is funny. Amari Cooper had, I think it was like 80, no, 79 receptions in 2019. Will he have more or less receptions, Mo? I'm going to say less, and I'm considering a potential injury. Okay. I'm going to say less considering there's only one ball to go around and now we have another number one receiver. So I'm actually going to say more because I, mean, I would like I think it. We saw a limited uh, Amari Cooper for much of 2019 with foot injuries. Now, obviously, you know, there's some concern there because he's been dealing with stuff through camp or they've been limiting him through camp. Uh, but yeah, I want to say more on that one. And, you know, let's stick with the wide receiver group. Michael Gallup, he had. Uh, I believe it was 66 receptions in 2019. Do you think he's going to have more or less, Mo? I think he has a little bit more. Dave? Yeah, yeah I'm going to go more on that one. Yeah, I'll, I'll say more as well. Um, I just think they're just, I don't know, they're just going to not need to throw the ball so much or as much as they did last year, but they're going to find themselves throwing it because they're just going to have really favorable coverages to throw into. I think McCarthy just likes to sling it, man. You know what I mean? Like it's it's worrisome when you have a back like Zeke and how much money you pay this guy to run the ball. But I, I think that yeah. it'll be a good balance. I think him and Kellen are gonna they're gonna mix it up good. Well, and I hope that we see more hurry up where we we're trying to get as many offensive yeah, players some in the football tempo game be nice. as possible. Yeah, yeah. Be nice. yeah. and uh, so last season, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Randall Cobb each averaged 15 yards per reception uh, with Kellen Moore in his first season as offensive coordinator. Do you think we'll see three receivers average more than 15 yards of reception? Yes, I do. Especially because I think they won't slow down play action like they did in 2019. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm in lockstep with Mo on that one. And do you think that we can have three 1,000 yard receivers? No, I don't see that. Um, I want to say I, my gut and my heart tells me yes. Considering if <laughs> if I'm giving Dak over five thousand and I give three thousand to the top three receivers, then that makes sense. So yeah, by mathematics, I'm going to say yeah. All right. In 2019, the person that led the team in interceptions, you had two of them: Jordan Lewis, Xavier Woods, tied for the team lead in interceptions with two. Do you think the team leader in 2020 has more interceptions or less interceptions? I think Trevor Diggs has three. Okay. I think I think Earl Thomas has three. <laughs> <laughs> I like love that. It. I love that, actually. Yeah. All right. And then DeMarcus Lawrence kind of fell back to earth in the sack total with the only five last season. Now, he was still a disruptive player, still a great run defender. And obviously, as much as he was double teamed, he opened things up for the rest of the defensive line. Do you think he has more? Then five sacks in 2019 or 2020, and how many more sacks will he have in 2020? Well, I, I believe more. I'm going to stick to a slightly conservative number and say nine sacks and a half. Okay. I'm going to say that this year he answers everybody, and he, he goes over, obviously over last year's number, but I really, truly think he comes close to like, I'm talking 15, 16, where you're just like, oh, my God, I cannot believe the season that this guy's happening specifically because of all the rest of the help that he has on the D line, especially rotating in and out guys. Yeah. And there's definitely opportunity for that because with a guy like Everson Griffin, uh, Alden Smith, uh, if Tristan Hill is progressing, like we 
are hearing he's progressing. Um, there's definitely going to be a lot less pressure on Demarcus Lawrence, and teams aren't going to be able to double team him as frequently as they have in the past. Right. Um, and then, do you guys who will lead the team in tackles, Jalen Smith or Leighton Vanderish? I'm going to say Jalen Smith just because. I'm more confident that he will remain healthy the entire season than Leighton Vanderich. Yeah, that's a big that's a big concern of mine too, as far as Vanderich. But I also think that Jalen, being the quicker of the two, he's just going to fly around the the ball no matter where it is. Jalen's going to be in on it. So yeah, I think Jalen gets the the tackles this year. All right, and Jason Witten in 2019 had 63 receptions, 529 yards, and four touchdowns. Our guy Blake Jarwin. Do you think he go has more than sixty three receptions or fewer than sixty three receptions? Hmm, that, ah, that's a good one. Uh, I'm going to say over, but not by a lot. I'm going to say 70, 70 catches, and he scores seven times. Yeah, and I've I've kind of been on this eight hundred and eight kick. I think he's gonna get eight hundred yards receiving, eight touchdowns. And I know that seems like a lot. Um, oh, yeah. but if he catches the ball 65, 70 times with his yards per reception average, you know, he's averaged like eleven point eight yards per reception. I think he can actually do more because less will be focused on the tight end position. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think he's gonna have a lot of these, you know, he might have like three catches but go for like 70 yards in a game. Um, or, you know, he might have a game where he's got like seven for 120 or something like that. But right. he's he's going to be left alone quite a bit and running free quite a bit. And so, hey, yeah. let's, as we continue to talk about the 2020 season, what are your expectations for the 2020 season? How far can this team go? Dave, we'll start with you. Uh, like I said, last year, eight and eight, Jason Garrett, you know, on his way out. Mike McCarthy comes in here, brand new team, no preseason. Uh, I think that kind of works to, to, to their advantage. No film, no nothing. Like they're going to come at it. You know, if they if they start the way they started last year and can sustain it, I see the Cowboys winning 11 games this year, max 12. I read in Sports Illustrated today that that Peter King has them as the overall number one seed, which is like mind blowing to me. They like listen to that that somebody actually praises them. But I see them getting into the playoffs, winning the NFC East getting over the hump uh, of the division championship round, getting to the conference championship round, most likely to play the saints. I think the drought's over, man. I think it's, it's, I think it's the most 2020 thing for the Dallas Cowboys to go out there and win themselves a super bowl in front of like zero fans because of the pandemic. <laughs> so I think, I think that's, what's going to happen this year. I'm, I'm really holding out hope that this is the year. And Mo, we'll turn it to you. Oh, man, I would love that to happen. I just got excited about hearing the possibility. And I do think they get to the playoffs. I do think they make it deep into the playoffs. I I won't make the call for them making the Super Bowl and winning it. I'm going to say NFC Championship game. And mostly just because it's tough, I believe, winning a Super Bowl with a first-year first coaching staff. I, I'm not in love with that. No head coach has ever won the Super Bowl with two different teams. And I know that there's a lot of factors that play into that, but I just don't think it happens in McCarthy's first year in Dallas. I hope it happens during his era. I hope it happens this 2020, but I'm going to say NFC Championship game. Yeah, and I, you know, obviously the the reasonable expectation is just to say, yes, they'll make the playoffs. And whatever happens, happens. Um, I'm, I'm at this point where I'm, 
I think they've got they've got as good a chance as anybody to win the Super Bowl, and I think this is the year that they do it. I think um, they've got a team that's built for a big run. Uh, they've got a team that uh, can play playoff football. Um, they've got a defensive mind and a um, an identity that is looking to rush the passer and take the ball away, which is what you have to do in the in the playoffs. They've got a running game that can win in the playoffs. Um, and they've got a, a passing game that can, if they get behind, can throw them back into football games. And um, we've got a head coach that's got the experience, that's got the um, uh, the winning chops. He's been there. He's won the Super Bowl. He's got four NFC Championship games under his belt. And I like to equate this a little bit to what it was for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They had Tony Dungy. They were winning football games, but they could never really get over the hump. John Gruden came in and took that team to another level. And they were able to win the Super Bowl. Now it's a little bit different. They had an elite defense um, and just kind of a passable offense. We have what looks like it's going to be an elite offense and you know an opportunistic defense, hopefully. And so the roles are a bit reversed. But I think everything is really setting the stage for the Dallas Cowboys to win the Super Bowl in their 60th year. And we'll end with one kind of final question, um, Mo. I want you to give me your your record prediction, but also your biggest concern for the Dallas Cowboys heading into 2020. I'm going to go 11 and five, 11 and five, especially with a strong record in the first half of the season, because the schedule is kind of easy. And my biggest question heading into the season, can the Cowboys improve on the red zone? They got to red zone constantly. They did damage. They led the NFL in yards per drive, the entire NFL, but they didn't do a great job inside the 20 and i believe that it happened because of play calling mainly they ran the ball a ton with ezekiel elliott and i love ezekiel elliott but you gotta change it up you gotta use Dak prescott's legs in my opinion we've talked we've talked a lot about blake jarwin tonight and i believe that blake jarwin has to be an x factor in the red zone you have to be able to throw to your tight end in those kind of situations and i believe Dak prescott is a top five quarterback forget about top 10 i see him as a top five guy and I believe that the Cowboys can improve in the red zone, but that's my biggest question mark headed into the 2020 season. Dave? Yeah, as I alluded to before, I got them winning 11 games this year. I think that's that's a fair a fair record. And, and just like Mo said, like get off to that hot start, you know, get your wins in early. You know, the team will get banged up here and there, and they'll probably take a couple of lumps towards the end. But 11 and 5, uh, my biggest concern, and look, I mean, this is – we're beating a dead horse here. I like the safeties we have. I don't love the safeties we have. You know what I mean? So right. that's one of those things where I'm just like, at this point of the, of the of, I guess, quote, preseason, with four days to go until NFL kicks off, and you have about six to go before you kick off your game in L.A., you know, you're going in there with some question marks. And, and, and something that a radio personality in New York always said about quarterbacks, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. So if I'm hearing a bunch of stuff about, oh, well, this guy can play safety and that guy can play safety and we can move him over to safety. Uh If you have all these like interchangeable parts, that means you don't have a solidifiable safety. And I think that's where Earl Thomas comes in and could could just solidify that position for the first time since Darren Woodson. So, you know, I, I, I truly think that that's the that's the last missing piece. I don't think that's asking too much. I don't think that's being greedy. Um you know, there's a lot of youth on this team. I think Earl Thompson can come right in and, and be a leader on the defense because, look, statistics have shown that when you go to a new team, your attitude changes just a little bit, even if even if for one season. You know, maybe like a better behaved Earl Thomas with 
playing for the team that he wanted to come get him the whole time. You know what I mean? So the stars can align right now. And I think that the, the safety position, while I like those kids that came up, I do. Thompson's nice. I like Xavier Woods. I like everybody. I even liked HaHa Clinton Dix. I did until he was obviously cut. But I think that this, this is the time now where Jerry has to say, look, Steven, this is what we're going to do. We're going to deal with it. And we're just going to get Earl Thomas. So hopefully that's 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 the concern, and hopefully that's the that's the solve. Yeah, and I'm kind of right there with you guys. I've I've kind of long predicted that they'd be about ten and six. I mean, weird things happen throughout the season. Um, I think I'm gonna still stick with that. I think they'll win some games that they should win, uh, or they'll lose some games that they should win, and win some games they shouldn't. Um, but they'll be about ten and six, you know, give or take a game. Um, I think the defense is still a big question. You know, really, they've got it all. They've got all the talent. They've got it on paper. The question is going to be, and my biggest question is going to be, can they take the the hype that is just being thrown at them and put it to the regular season and then just run the table? Um, kind of like what they did in 20, 2016. I mean, actually, that was a no-name team. Nobody had really much expectation for that team. Um, but they, they started off really, really hot. Um, can they actually take the talent that they have on paper and make something of it and actually have a deep run in the playoffs this year. That's kind of my, my big concern. I, I do think they've got the team for it. It's a matter of, can we now see it? And with that, Hey, I want to thank you guys so much for taking the time and joining me um, on inside the Cowboys tonight. Y'all make sure you go check out Mo at Mo NFL on Twitter, go check out Primero Cowboys. And what is the, the new Cowboys Oi over on the blogging the boys podcast network? That's right, Cowboys Oi, every Saturday. Yeah, and so if you're one of my Spanish-speaking listeners, make sure you go check out his work over there. And then, hey, go check out Dave at Dave Sergio and the Jersey Boys podcast. Go read his work over there on uh, the Cowboys Wire. And uh, make sure you go to, to Twitter. Uh, if you like the podcast, make sure you go and rate it wherever you get your podcasts at. Hey, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Really appreciate it. Thank you, John. Thanks, John. Go Cowboys, football in six days.